Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. From its inception, this show has been all about introducing you to the founders and creators that make this city special. We've walked you through their journeys from brand new startups to growing businesses to mainstays in the community. This season, we're expanding our focus. We will always be advocates for the little guys, but this year, we want to bring you stories from the whole spectrum of Atlanta culture. From one-person startups to thousand-member teams, there are organizations all around the city contributing to its success, and you're going to hear about them all right here on Atlanta Born and Brand. The global pandemic has left no organization unaffected, but we believe the signs are emerging for a bounce back of epic proportions in Atlanta. If you missed part one of our special episode with Kelly and CJ, be sure to go back and give it a listen. We spoke about each of their personal journeys and how CJ made the jump from private coaching to laying the foundation to start lead. In this episode, we'll dive into getting lead off the ground, the decline of black players in the major leagues, and how Kelly and CJ are supporting their boys beyond the sport of baseball. So let's have that token conversation for a minute. You know, when the three of us were growing up, the major leagues was littered with black superstars. Why do you guys, I'm interested in your perspective now working with so many kids who have embraced the game. What do you think that hurdle is that that has made things change so drastically in the last 20, 30 years? You know, I think that um, to play the game is easy you know, uh, to play, uh, but to perform and be good enough to earn college scholarships uh, and opportunities to play at a professional level, like that's really expensive. Mm. And as Kelly was saying, you know, you know, the, the distinction between mentorship and sponsorship, you know, if you uh, remove the word mentor and just use it with coach. So, you know, you got coaching, but then you got to have sponsorship, people that are going to clear the way for you um and and so you know even in addition to any shortcomings that you may have are going to make sure that you get the benefit of the doubt respect and trust and um, being black and being dark skinned and black is very scary for a lot of white scouts Mm. and so then if you're if you're a black kid and you're a dark skinned black kid and you have talent and you have this desire to play um you almost have to, because I did, you, you have to become white to, to some degree. You have to culturally figure out how to uh, be white. So, and if you do that and then you're accepted and you, have a, and you play for a white coach and he simply can go to a white scout and say, he's okay, you know, he's a good one then you know you you have the opportunity to now go on and play this game and uh, have opportunities to fail and bounce back but if you don't want to you know to succumb and and uh, and leave the black culture and then go into a white culture because the white culture and black culture are different cultures Mm -hmm. we're not talking about which one is better which one is is worth let's just start with the fact that they are different Um, and so if you're black and you don't want to go into white culture, then 
in a lot of cases, you, you, you just aren't going to be able to make it. So a lot of black kids, without having to have it broken down like that, is just very simple. Mm. I'm not playing baseball because I don't want to act white. <laughs> and so that's why even for us, what lead is this, this is not about acting white. This is about doing what's right, starting with the leadership of Kelly and I. I mean, we are really good at what we do, and we are respected by most. And for the and for those that don't, it's okay. You know, we got to just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. So for a, a black boy that comes into our system, into our culture, into our kingdom here at the Lead Center for Youth, you're gonna you're gonna be protected. You're gonna learn how to play. I'm sorry. You're gonna be protected. You're gonna learn how to participate. You're gonna learn how to practice. You're going to learn how to play, and then you're going to learn how to perform. You're going to go through that progression of performance, and we're going to guide you every step of the way. And everything that you have earned, you're going to get. I can't, I can't say that you're going to get a, a scholarship to this college or that college, but I will guarantee that you're going to get the opportunity to get the yes or the no. And that no is not going to be because you're black. It's going to be because you're not good enough, and then we're going to move on to something else. Well, and it feels like, too, there's – that extra middleman layer that is so prevalent, especially in the game of baseball, of um, you know the the AAU style or the you know American Legion style ball. That exactly what you were talking about. It almost feels like you know kids have to be signed off by somebody important, and most of the people that are doing the signing off are white. Mm-hmm. So it almost feels like your organization and what you guys have done over the course of the years that you've been doing that is you have a seat at the table where you can sign off for a kid without them having to go, you know, and nothing against the programs in East Cobb mm-hmm. or in, in Gwinnett or whatever it is, but to have somebody that can sign off for you that folks trust, we need a, a, an additional layer. Right. You know, we need to add people to people to that middle layer, right. you know, that can, that can sign off for folks. That makes perfect sense. I've never... I've never heard it that way. You know, you hear all of the, um, you know, conversation and in this legit conversation about cost, um, but there is, you know, there's just su- such a, a, a boys club to getting those opportunities at the right school or with the right scout or whatever it is. That's, um, well, we, that's, you know, yeah. even to that point, you know, is yeah. rather than getting a seat at the table and uh, this is not intended to be arrogant at Mm. all like we're building our own table Mm. and we're giving other people an opportunity to come over here because you know when Kelly and I when we started our for-profit business um, business diamond directors in 1998 Mm -hmm. um, it it was just to make some money just to pay the bills and Mm -hmm. then and then I I with the support of a lot of people, including Kelly, I got really good really fast. And so mm-hmm. to date in 2022, going all the way back to 1998, we have 45 major leaguers that we've developed, mm-hmm. including Jason Hayward, Dexter Fowler, Charlie Coberson, mm-hmm. Peter Alonzo, Kyle Lewis, and we can keep going on and on. I mean, we're talking about yeah. impact players and using a well-defined methodology. Mm-hmm. So a lot of prayer, a lot of hope, a lot of love, but I'm talking about a methodology that we use to develop players. So we've, so we've been successful. So when I walk into a room, uh, you may not like me because you don't understand uh, me, but I'm, I, I'm walking into these spaces unapologetically 
as a black man and a dark-skinned African-American man who grew up in the inner city of Atlanta. So that way I can be a champion for boys, letting people know that even when we are losing our games and league with our boys, because they're, they're learning how to participate and practice and mm -hmm. learning how to play, uh, they are getting the same instruction that a lot of your favorite players on television have gotten yeah. from us. And then even with all of that, um, as much as um, I've been able to do with Kelly being the tip of the spear for us with lead, um, I, I think about in the Negro Leagues, uh, Effa Manley, who was the, the owner of the Newark Eagles, and how um, they people were um, hesitant about doing deals with her because she was a woman and she was a very uh, savvy woman and very mm -hmm. strong. Uh, and so I, I think that's very important for our boys that when we go into places and spaces, you know, Coach CJ is really, really good, but Coach Kelly is the one that paves the way to make sure that we can get all of this done. Mm -hmm. Facts. <laughs> that's right. And when we have this conversation about, you know, the decline of blacks in baseball, you know, people do mention the economics of it all. Um, but we live by uh, a few different models in our families, but in our family, but one is origin stories matter. Hmm. So when we talk about the economics of baseball, uh, yes, bats, gloves, travel teams, the way this pay to play system has evolved, it is uh, an immense cost burden. It is. And, you know, when you're talking about families who come from low income households, there's no way, you know, they can afford just three grand just to get on the team. Right. That's just the beginning of the fees. But we also have to understand what black people in the city of Atlanta have gone through generationally mm -hmm. that have caused their ability to attain wealth and to grow money into wealth has hindered them from mm -hmm. doing. So we had an article that just came out where the Fed said Atlanta is unaffordable. Yep. Uh, we have stats, you know, that say if you're born into poverty in Atlanta, you have about a 4% chance of making it out and possibly going to the middle class. Mm. So there are the economics of baseball, but there are also the economics of generational disenfranchisement mm. that African-Americans have uh, endured as a whole in America, but specifically talking about Atlanta, where it makes something like baseball out of reach. And so then people who don't want to get into that or people who don't understand that start creating narratives like, well, the black kids just want to play football and basketball. Hmm. No, the, the scripture says, you know, a dream deferred makes the heart sick and our kids aren't stupid, why would you dream about doing something if you know you can't even touch it? So it's like baseball is without a, it's not within my family's reach, so I'm not gonna even go that way because I don't wanna hurt. I don't wanna hurt my, I don't wanna hurt my own feelings. So football and basketball seem more accessible, so I'll go over here. But not because I don't love baseball, it's just out of reach for me. And I don't want to disappoint myself by going after something that I know I can't even touch. 
Hmm. And baseball also, too, was um, during the Negro Leagues, that was a, um, a, a rites of passage into manhood. So, so during that time, if you were not playing baseball, we're not talking about whether you were going to be the star player in the Negro Leagues or if you were going to be the first um, or the, the first in the modern era to, um, to integrate Major League Baseball with Moses Fleetwood Walker being the, the very first before Jackie Robinson. It was about all of the, the, the core values and virtues that you were going to learn by playing the sport of baseball. Hmm. And so, you know, even here in Atlanta, uh, in 1919, the Atlanta Cubs uh, was a semi-professional team, and those men, those African-American men that were playing on that team, most of them had college degrees from HBCUs. And so in 1920, when the Negro Leagues um, was officially established, they changed their name from the Atlanta Cubs to the Atlanta Black Crackers, mm -hmm. uh, with the Atlanta Crackers being the minor league team here um, in Atlanta. And so the community said, you know, hey, that Atlanta Cubs team name is strong, but y'all are the Atlanta Black Crackers. So baseball then and still does uh, gives people an opportunity to earn the benefit of the doubt, respect, and trust. And a lot of people don't know as well is that baseball was introduced to Japan by the Negro League All-Stars. <laughs> the Negro League traveling all-stars. So baseball arguably is the best played across the world in Japan. But they never would have played the game if the Negro League all-stars didn't introduce it. <laughs> Babe Ruth and the Major League all-stars later on went to Japan uh, shortly after the Negro Leagues, but the Negro Leagues were there first. The Negro Leagues introduced baseball to Latin America. <laughs> and so even when we look at the Olympics and the Winter Olympics, we look at some of these countries that are participating. I'm like, I've never heard of these places. And sometimes they'll only have five participants. What that country is trying to tell the world is that we are here. And they're using sports to show their best and show that we can compete. So for, for America to continue to say <laughs> that black kids don't want to play baseball, that's not an indictment on the black kid. That's an indictment on this country. Hmm. Well, and... You guys, uh, you're too polite to say it, so I will. Um, we are very accepting of taking kids from some of those places that you just talked about at 16 years old in, the, in, in Latin American countries or in Asian countries who have had, uh, haven't played an AAU game in their life mm -hmm. and bring them into organizations. We're not as accepting of that, of of black kids from the United States who haven't been in those circles. Um, oh, we can talk about it. I mean, so, so well, I mean, cause I, it, I, don't, I don't mean to fire you up. Yeah. No, no, yeah. it's not for yeah, me, yeah. but it's just, again, like yeah. for me, for me, mm -hmm. and, and I'm saying for me being uh, on earth for 45 years, I've been an African-American man all of my life. Oh, you just had a birthday. 46, I'm sorry. 46. <laughs> she called him I out. Was like, I, I was like, I was counting. I'm, 40, like, I'm missing a year. 46 yes. years old. And um, so, so as I'm sharing with my experiences, and so, mm. you know, I, I'm a tiller and I like to be tilled. Mm. You know, I want to be great. So if, if I'm out of line, please challenge me. Let's have a, let's have a very rich dialogue. Mm. The, the most despised person on earth is an African-American woman. Mm. Next to her is an African-American man. And when you look at all categories, I, I mean, 
in spite of all the success that African-Americans are having in, in the world, <laughs> that's great. African-American woman at the bottom. And so our systems are designed uh, for that to happen. And so again, for me, if, 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 if I am a scout and I'm trying to figure out um, where culturally, where do I go find guys that are, that are, that are gritty and, 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 and have integrity? Like there are other parts of the world that you would go and in our system, our culture does not speak to African-American boys coming from poverty and being anything good. And so for those boys that, 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 live, that live in, the, in these communities that don't want to go to a private school or don't want to go to the suburbs to go play on a team, they should be able to live where they live in the community that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. grew up in. They should be able to stay in those communities. And so that's what we are committed to doing. LEAD is a solution. The problem is that African-Americans as a whole, starting with African-American women and men, do not get the benefit of the doubt, respect, and trust. And so that's the game that's being played. So that's why for us, what we're doing is, the baseball piece, that's the easy piece. But we're talking about how do we use it to develop the values and the virtues. Yeah, yeah so that black boys can become major league citizens without having to relocate. <laughs> right. So, no, I mean, it, 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 is, it is what it is. And so it's, it's just very frustrating that, uh, but an opportunity to make sure that um, black boys in the inner city of Atlanta can be seen as, as gems. It's gonna happen. It's not gonna be easy, but it is gonna happen. Yeah, and uh, what I respect what, about what you guys are doing here is, it's one thing to try to make people aware. It's, yeah. it's a difficult thing. Yeah. It's a more difficult thing to, be, to try to figure out a solution. Um, you, you said something that I wanna to touch on. The, the numbers, uh, um, the percentages when it comes to trying to train professional athletes, this is, this is the worst uh, you know, gambling percentage you could possibly make, right? It's, betting on a kid to become a major league anything, baseball, football, basketball player, is so low. Yeah. Um, talk to me about what you've seen in some of the kids that you've worked with here at LEAD. Um, what has the game of baseball in this program that you guys have implemented done for these kids who will never play at the college or the professional level? What have you seen in those kids? So I would say the the, the, the stress and a lot of people think that we are here trying to focus on producing Major League Baseball players. Sure. Now with our for-profit background with Diamond Directors, sure. we know what that looked like. That's right. Uh, we've even represented players in the draft before. So we know that process, you know, as professionals in that aspect. Um, but our focus here is to develop our boys into Major League citizens. And one of the most profound things that I've seen happen just over the course of the last 15 years since we started LEAD is I've seen more black boys see their value and see their worth. And once you can get somebody to see their value and see their worth, they start making different decisions about their life. Mm, they start understanding who I need to hang around and who I don't need to hang around. They start saying, you know, 
I'm not trying to be valedictorian, but I'm also trying not trying to flunk out of school either. Yeah. So helping black boys understand their value and see their value and worth to themselves, but also to the greater community. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, our sport education, cultural literacy of Lee all comes together because we don't just talk about Hank Aaron and how he, you know, hit 755 home runs. Mm-hmm. We talk about Mr. Aaron and how he had to fight against segregated housing in mm-hmm. spring training. So this man is on his job, but he still has a bigger social fight relative to racial discrimination. Yeah. So helping our boys understand their value personally, but also corporately as part of their community and ultimately as part of the world has been one of the greatest joys um, of my you know, professional career. So uh, gerrymandering, gentrification, redlining, segregation, those are four pitches that are being thrown that black people are swinging and missing and striking out on every single day. And so that's important to make sure that um, black boys understand that black people are not just in- inherently bad. There, are, there's a system that is working perfectly, that is causing um, parts of our city and parts of our country to look the way that it does. Uh, and, and even being able to say that, then allows all types of people from different races and perspectives to let's have a let's have a dialogue about that mm-hmm. uh, let's start with where's the lie tell me what i just lied about <laughs> okay <laughs> and if i'm telling the truth on anything or all these things then now give me your perspective and then um we'll spend some time talking about it and then when we run out of time we'll talk about it again tomorrow and we'll talk about it more but just really making sure that um to the point that Kelly was making is making sure that they, when they come into that conversation, like they're, they're, they're valued. That's, that's one of the things that I really try to work on is um, if I don't know, if I don't, you know, if I don't know the answer to it, then I'll state, well, you know, here's my opinion. And then if you know the answer, then you tell me, and then now I'm educated yeah. about it. But just feeling good about the, the conversations that you're having. And, and when you are the expert, you be the expert. And so, you know, for them right now, uh, it's just like the song that, that came out about, you know, different parts not being Atlanta. And uh, <laughs> I've lived in different parts of Atlanta, so I'm not going not to go into that. <laughs> but the, the, the part of the song that was really good was, is, you know, um, Amaretta. Yes. Amaretta. I get the name right, wrong sometimes. But uh, Amaretta, I mean, one of the things that she said was, is, you know, I, I survived Atlanta. It is hard hard to live in Atlanta if you are black and poor. If you're black and middle class, you can you can get a glass of wine and just go to sleep and just <laughs> fight it again tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if you're black and poor in this city, and you're not a part of a strong organization, uh, institution, a school, uh, a nonprofit organization, a sports-based youth development organization like LEAD or something like that, if, if you're not a part of that, you're not going to win at a game of life. You're going to lose every time. And God forbid if you have any children, because your children are going to lose in generations. So, you know, my advice to black boys right now is uh, 
although we got a lot of challenges in Atlanta, uh, you can make it in life if you're a part of Atlanta Public Schools. Mm. Uh, you can definitely learn a lot about navigating life if you play a sport in general, specifically if you play baseball, and then specifically if you're part of league because we're going to protect you. You're going to learn how to participate. You're going to learn how to practice. You're going to learn how to play this game of life. And when you get an opportunity to perform, your, your no is not going to be because you're black. It's just going to be because you're not ready to move forward. Sure. And I know y'all know, uh, sometimes no's, you know, closed door, open window. Yeah. You know, sometimes a no, a, a no in certain areas is the best answer you can get. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we get challenged yeah. a lot um, because what we, the conversation we're having right now has included so many things, not just baseball. <laughs> it, it's included social issues, racial issues, mm -hmm. and we get challenged a lot and people say, you're never gonna be able to raise money talking about race. Um, you know, everybody doesn't wanna hear that. You know, we just wanna help the poor black kids and you know, who come from broken homes and, and it drives me crazy because it's such a misrepresentation of who we are mm -hmm. as a people. And we are advocates of who black people really are and the struggles that black people really have. So to have a program where you are working in youth development with black youth in general and black boys specifically for lead and not share this context of crime, poverty and racism is disingenuous because you are preparing them for the real battle that they're going to face when they're out in the world. Because I've known countless numbers of black people who've done everything right. Yeah. I've known countless numbers of black people who have played the game the way they're supposed to play and they still come up very short. Yeah. So it's not about just keep your head down and work and work hard and you can be anything. We can go through the annals of history and see black people who have worked hard and who have done everything that they were supposed to do and didn't get the shots that they should have gotten. So we have to have this context of those three curveballs: crime, poverty, and racism, not from the way society pits them against black people as a personal individual indictment. Again, it is an indictment on our whole society that says we're supposed to be the smartest, we're supposed to be the best, we're supposed to be that beacon on a hill as a city, but also as a nation. But look at what's happening to us as citizens on an everyday basis. And what are we doing about it as individuals? For us, sport-based youth development is a way that we tackle that from an everyday operational standpoint. How can we equip black boys every day to go out and fight this battle that they have to fight and not be so overwhelmed and just give up. Well, and if you, tr if, when all is, is written and said and done, if there's five major leaguers that come out of the lead program, but there are 500 youth sport coaches who take the lessons that they're learning here and exponentially spread that out into the neighborhoods that they're living in, then you guys have to feel like that's an enormous success at the end of the day. And in addition Ultimately. to more youth coaches, because you know, specifically, that's another reason why the sport of baseball 
has not remained as strong as it used to be in mm -hmm. the black community. CJ always jokes and he says, if somebody came along trying to start a league back when I was playing at John A. White Park, they would get run out of Atlanta mm. because the parks were so deep with teams at every age level. There was no need to go to East Cobb or go to Gwinnett to play. You had sure. that in your community. Yeah. But again, not just the economics of baseball, but the economics of generational disenfranchisement guts out the resources in a community. It guts out the um, discretionary time that adults have to volunteer. If mm. you're trying to work so hard to make ends meet that you don't need one, two, but three jobs, you know, to do that. Or problems that people face in life, no matter what color you are. Uh, if you have those issues, but you don't have the resources to mitigate them, you know, if we look at society, people try to say that black people are more violent, black people get into more, you know, have more issues here or there than white people. But what I found is, you know, white people have struggle with drug addiction. You know, young white girls get pregnant as teenagers. All these things happen, but if your family has the resources to get you the right help for your addiction, if your family has the resources to help you decide as a young teen mother what you wanna do um, with this child, with this pregnancy, and you have the right resources, you can mitigate, mitigate those things and they don't become a complete stumbling block for you. It's just, mm. a little, it's just a little speed bump that you have to get over in life. So just understanding that we don't have that structure in our community where we have you know, adults who have all of that discretionary time that they can devote to volunteering, you know, at local parks and things like that. So um, making sure to that point that LEAD has, is building up our ambassadors as coaches who understand the game and also helping them get on a pathway of empowerment to becoming what we call major league citizens, whether that's the mayor of Atlanta, who also played baseball in Atlanta Public Schools and uh, in the Parks and Rec system here, uh, whether it's becoming the CEO of Coca-Cola, whether it's becoming uh, you, me, the executive or CJ, That's right. you know, That's whatever right. that is, putting them on a pathway to empowerment so they have the earning potential so that they can carve out some discretionary time yeah. for their community. I could sit here and talk to y'all for hours about this. I really could. Um, in interest of protecting your time, um, we like to wrap up a lot with, you talked about being a, you both talked about being dreamers. Mm -hmm. um, when you're dreaming about the future of LEAD, what, what do you see five, 10, 15 years down the line for this organization? You guys are unique in that um, you know, you're, you're doing this uh, for your livelihood as well. Mm -hmm. And then you could very easily take all the, all the discretionary time that you're talking about and focus on that side. Yeah. You choose not to do that. Um, there has to be some dreams uh, involved with making that decision. I'm curious to hear what, what those are for you. So within the next 15 years, I would love to have a campus elite center for youth. I mean, we're in uh, phase one of the elite center for youth, um, which was born out of COVID. 
You know, when we when the school shut down, uh, that shut down our ability to go on campus to serve kids, uh, and we um, we were able to pivot right away. Um, David Nelson, a part of Carter, um, got us got us in over here at the at the Met, and then um, so this is 5,500 square feet, and then we want to go next door to get another 5,500 square feet. But within the next 15 years. I would love to have a campus with dorms, um, fields for training. Um, I, I have this vision of the fields representing a, a continent, different continents um, in, in the world, and just having that as the as the the, the field itself, um, and um, academic space, uh, support space, um, and career development space. You know and having that right in the Bankhead community where I grew up at, you know, off of Hollywood Road. Uh, that's what I see. And um, just like with, you know, when I saw Kelly, I mean, I've got this vision. So uh, with so much change in Atlanta, uh, you know, I really hope that we can have a, a carved out space for sports-based youth development with, with lead being the MVP of that. And sports is so important because when the Braves came from Milwaukee to Atlanta in 1966, it, it was proof positive that, that Atlanta was a city too busy to hate. Uh, and it is the reason why we are known as a world-class city. We got a lot of work to do uh, before we are in fact a world-class city, because uh, right now we're number two with income inequality. And so uh, those things aren't gonna change overnight but having that lead center for youth uh, in Bankhead um, then will allow us to have 500 black boys that we will say, you are protected, dream on, and we'll be able to make those dreams become a reality. My dreams for lead, I dream of having a large part of our individual donor base being from our alums. A lot of time in this youth development work, people chalk up the accomplishment to, well, they graduated from high school. I mean, that's just such low-hanging fruit. Like, that's mm. fruit on the ground as far as I'm concerned. Like, we don't even have to really struggle to meet that because our boys are brilliant. They can do that. With the right mm. support, they can do that. You're there. Yeah. They're there. You're there. But when you look at other institutions, you know, private schools, prominent private schools, prominent universities, their alumni base is revered. Their alumni base is a large part of the financial, you know, strength and stability of the organization. I want to be able to say that we were able to partner with families and boys who were considered the least of these in this city and look at the financial support they are providing to bring forward and build up another generation of the so-called least of these. Like that will be an amazing moment for me. Yeah, my, my goosebumps going over here, Kelly. <laughs> mm, communications major indeed. Um, thank you all for, for hosting us, um, but more so for, for doing what you're doing. Just appreciate you all. For more information about how you can get involved, visit leadcenterforyouth.org.
Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. Make sure and follow the show on social media at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. This season, we have launched a brand new video series to coincide with our ATL Bounce Back theme. Subscribe to the Atlanta Born and Brand YouTube channel for that content and more. Lastly, if you love the show, please spread the word. Share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your support helps make sure that more and more people hear the stories of all those folks doing great things all over the city. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.